Hello, health champions. Welcome back to another episode of the Taboo Doctor. I'm MDO, obviously, and today we are joined by Tito Idakula, and she shares with us her journey through infant loss. She shares her journey of miscarriage, and she shared how this pain turned into a purpose because it was filled with so much passion. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you share it, make sure you subscribe, and do send me an email or a message at hello at taboodoctor.com for any questions that you might have. Shout out to all our listeners from the US. Thank you for being loyal listeners. I hope you share and continue to support the mission here at Taboo Doctor. Enjoy the episode. Hello health champions, welcome back to another episode of The Taboo Doctor, previously known as A Slice of Health. This is the health podcast where no subject is off the table and we answer all the taboo health questions that you've always been afraid to ask. Join me and my friends from all over the world as we demystify healthcare and wellness. It is our aim to turn you into a health champion wherever you go as you slice health fact away from health fiction. Make sure you tell a friend or two to join the revolution. Follow us on social media and also watch the recordings of all our episodes on our YouTube channel, Taboo Doctor. Don't forget that this episode in no way replaces advice from your own healthcare worker or physician. Please be reminded that all the views shared on the podcast reflect the personal and professional views of our guests. I hope you enjoyed the episode. See you on the other side. Welcome health champions. Welcome health champions to another episode of Taboo Doctor. It's me, Mo Dami, and today I am joined by Tito Bez Idakula, who is a champion for women's issues, fertility, and infant loss. She is a writer, she is a mom of three, and obviously she is the wife of a well-renowned international superstar. Welcome, Tito. Hi, Modabi. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm so glad that you're here. So before we jump into talking about infant loss, um, tell us a lot about yourself. I was gonna tell a bit. Okay, I used to be a lot. Like I Yeah. Okay. I think you already kind of did a pretty good introduction. My name is Tito. Married for what, six years to Bez, musician. Um, Bez Itakola, musician. Children. I have three, two boys, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and then I have a baby who is four months old. Um, in part of the reason why we're here is because I experienced infant loss or a baby loss after 40 weeks of being pregnant in, oh gosh, 2014 or 2015. It's weird. I can actually forget the dates. Mm. But yeah, um, 2015. Yeah, 2015. I can't believe I'm actually confused. But yeah, um, and then after that, I had a miscarriage before I had my first son. And then after my first son, I had another miscarriage. And now I have two kids. Mm. Um, so I have three kids in general, in total. I also, um, I'm a writer. I have a book called Royalty, just talking about self-identity, you know, the love of God, who you are, and healing. Um, also, I, um, I'm a counselor. Actually, I've been training to be a counselor, so I do counsel people. I like to focus on emotional healing more than physical healing because, you know, 
in terms of physical pain, you can see it. But emotions, people don't understand how deep some wounds go from childhood trauma to just even trauma in adulthood and loss and grief and all of that. So that's very important for me as well. So I talk a lot about that and I counsel people. Um, also, what else do you want to know about me? I think that mostly... What is- do you do for fun? Ah, fun. It's weird. I'm not, I don't even think I know what fun is anymore. Like, life is just always from one thing to the other. But if I were to have fun, it would probably just be hanging out with my friends, mm. go eat somewhere nice, and just just over and over, just talk, catch up, honest conversations with people I love over food. That would probably be fun for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, fantastic. And obviously food is food is such an amazing thing. It brings people together in such amazing yeah. ways. And obviously before, you know, we started recording, I was telling you how I'm looking forward to just being in my mom's kitchen over Christmas yeah. knowing that I will be yeah. well fed. Um, exactly. and, and that and that is so amazing. Um so today we're talking about a topic that is very sensitive to talk about. Um and it's also taboo to talk about in our culture and things are changing a little bit but i feel that it's not changing fast enough for the people that really need the change and so we're talking about infant loss and that you know that ranges from miscarriage to you know loss of of a child which is quite a significant you know landmark in someone's life and it, it is you know it's something that you know, people go through and sometimes feel really isolated when they go through it. So tell us about your journey. Okay, so um, I think I kind of already touched on it. And I always say that it's kind of hard to always talk about it. It's weird. But okay, so I, I think I'm clear on the dates now. So I got married 2014, new bride, got pregnant pretty early. Um, pregnancy, it was weird. I, I kind of felt like some stuff was wrong, but mm-hmm. the doctors kept dismissing it mm. and everything is fine everything is fine and then i go to the states and they're like oh no you're measuring wrongly mm. it turned out the baby had a congenital diaphragmatic hernia okay. which meant the diaphragm hadn't grown the lungs and the heart and the stomach everything was just all jumbled up unfortunately she died um a day or two no she died a day after she was born mm. so i carried it down for 40 weeks pregnant in fact i was 41 weeks when i was induced and um mm got to meet her she was pretty tiny and then she died not long after mm. um it's weird because i remember she was in my husband's hands and i had woken up from a nap and she was gone and it was just like oh she's really cold she's really stiff and it was like okay so she's gone mm. and then um dealing with that was a bit traumatic because mm. nobody ever expects experiences kind of loss mm. and um i think for me I, not to be over spiritual, but honestly, for me, it was God that just pushed me to be open about this journey because nobody talks about it. I'd never personally met someone that personally said, Oh, I had a miscarriage or a baby loss. My friends didn't say it. I didn't know if any of them had had it. You know, I didn't know anyone, honestly. And so God kept saying, Oh, talk about this, share this story publicly. I'm like, Oh, this is awkward. Nobody talks about this stuff. My husband is a musician, it's relatively well known in Nigeria. I don't want to put myself out there. I just, it's, it's private. And yeah. I just didn't have peace. Mm-hmm. Write your story, write your story, write your story. And then I write a story. And the next thing, everybody I knew 
was coming to say, oh, thank you for writing the story. Thank you. Thank you for sharing our pain. Uh, I remember when my wife and I did, had it, women would message me, men would message me. Everybody seemed to have experienced this thing. I'm looking like, oh, so this is not new. So in as much as I thought, oh, my life is out there and I was a bit embarrassed. I actually kind of found comfort in the fact that I, I realized that I wasn't the first person it happened to. Mm. And, you know, other people were coming to, to kind of, support me as opposed to what i thought would happen which is like why are you talking about this but no people are very supportive sending so much love they appreciated the openness of it all and so that's kind of how the journey started so it's almost like it's um the the journey to supporting women and families going through this um it kind of called me i didn't i didn't share my story thinking i'm going to go and support people i just wanted to share my story but in 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 the way the response came and then people would message me they wanted to talk about it they wanted to share their story I realized that people needed more support mm. um, and then even after the first loss I had a miscarriage again and this one was my, I had to go through a DNC in mm. Nigeria we call it an evacuation I don't know what, what the mm. term, terminology is yes. so I had to go through an evacuation at like what 11 weeks pregnant it was quite another horrible experience but this one i didn't even talk about it because i was just trying to process everything but i think for me that was the moment when i realized that we need more support you know women need a safe place to talk about this like i not feel like you're being dismissed you're being ignored you're being judged you're being you know um um told or you're not grateful or thank god you're alive or you know all those kind of things i just a free safe place to speak openly to speak yeah. to share to heal um so i started this blog called my lighthouse where i would share encouraging stories i didn't want it to just be about miscarriage but that was a key part of it for me it was just more just be encouraged because mm. when you go through stuff like this there's this darkness that comes over you where you feel isolated you feel alone you feel like it's just me and so i called it the lighthouse because when you're thinking when there's storms all over you that lighthouse is what tells you you know what keep going keep going you're okay you know there's there's hope at the end of that so that's kind of how we started and then over like well, this that so the whole journey started 2015 but i think the healing cradle which is what um is really our support group for families still dealing with loss and the organization that we run now that kind of came into fruition last year as a proper miscarriage support yeah. group instead of just a general encouragement um yeah. group and that came about because a friend of mine had been pregnant with twins last year for a long time i just thought oh, I, I mean I, i'll talk about my loss but i don't want to be the face of loss i don't want to be the face of miscarriage i don't think i want to carry this thing on my head i've shared the story a few times i don't need to share it all the time that's kind of my thoughts on it mm-hmm. but last year I, I sat down and my friend was going through label i sat down with her in label she was 26 weeks pregnant with twins and i literally watched her going to preterm labor and i can't can't believe how um, uh, you know and i asked to sit down with somebody in preterm going through that yeah the hopelessness and the hopelessness of it yeah it bothered me so much because i could see them the chaos yeah for her her mother her husband they were just a mess. Yeah. I just felt what's going to happen to her after. And that was the moment I just got a group of friends together and I said, I want us to do something. What should we call it? And we're working on a name, working on the name. I decided to call it the Healing Cradle because the cradle is two ways. The cradle where, you know, a baby's put in your cradle, but it's also the physical cradle, like when you comfort. cradle somebody in your hand, yeah. comfort. Yeah. So that was kind of where the name, the Healing Cradle, came from. And I remember I said, I need to do something. 
and her birthday was coming up so she had this experience and then her birthday was coming up like a month after and it was going to be very difficult for her um so we we decided to do our first gathering i like to call it a gathering i don't call it an event it's not an event it's not a conference we're just a gathering of people that wanted to talk and in that one i said oh you know what? let's bring men and women let's bring couples because this pain doesn't only happen to yeah so you know let's let's have a counselor in so i you know i just put it out there quite a few people came got a lot of support and i saw how healing it was for them to just talk about what was going on but at the same time i saw that the pain affects men and women in different ways and so i said that going forward i'm not going to have men and women necessarily come together it will be only women let's start with the woman because a lot of things also happen in a relationship when you're going through that loss that maybe you don't want your partner to hear how you're feeling about them so i think going forward it's going to be mostly women if i will be only for women only except when i feel like okay it's time let's bring a man in or you know personal counseling so we started doing that and then we decided to do it like every quarter so we did it and then we did it again and every time you just see people come and people that have experienced losses like five years ago are still talking about it like it just happened because they never got the opportunity to speak about it I feel like I've been talking a lot. I, I don't even ask me any questions. I've just been talking. No, no continue. Um, to, you, yeah, please, please continue. Um, so, you know, you're hearing all these things and you're like, how have you lived for so long with all this pain, this anger, this resentment, this bitterness, this unforgiveness, all these emotions? How have you lived for so long with it? Because when you hear them pour it out, it's like literally it just happened. Mm-hmm. And I thought, why is nobody giving families a chance to really speak? Yeah. And it's so funny how it seems like it's such a small thing to talk, to create a place for people to just talk, to share. But that makes such a difference. Mm -hmm. People come once, they don't just come again. Because everything they've not been able to say for years, they finally said, they're like, oh, now I'm free. They feel feel a burden lifted up. And so that's how the healing cradle started. That's how we started saying, you know, let's have more meetings let's let's you know and let's do it in a way that so the last one we did was in october and it was funny because it was in it was we also had baby loss awareness week in that in that season and so we did this thing and we did it over a nice lunch like it's not like we're not trying to be too morbid over a nice lunch everybody was talking and there was a fee to it but what happened was a lot of people sponsored their friends to come so the people that were coming did not even have to pay like people, oh, I want to sponsor somebody. Can I sponsor four people? Can I sponsor two people? And so it was a free, beautiful lunch for just women talking and sharing. And um, I, I realized that we can't stop. We can't stop. Sometimes I do get tired. Sometimes I'm like, oh God, how much of it can I carry on my head? I have kids, I have this, I have that. But every time God's like, no, this work is important. And so that's a story to the healing cradle. Thank you so much for sharing that story. And you know, that is a very, that is a very emotional thing. And that is, that is a difficult thing to go through as a person. Um, But then also to watch somebody you love go through something so difficult is also painful and traumatic to you as well. And you know what you said about how men and women go through trauma and how they feel in trauma and how they respond to it and everybody's emotional response is so different 
also yep. also based on the kind of traumas that they'd experienced in the past because you know your previous experience of trauma can also inform how you deal with trauma in the exactly. future as well and in relationships there's so much that goes unsaid between couples um, yes. and sometimes if it's the first time of the other person hearing how they feel. It can be very shocking. And it can yeah. also be traumatic as well when you suddenly say, oh my God, is this what my partner really thinks yeah. of, of the situation? Yeah. Um, and you wrote, you wrote um, um, a few years ago, I'll just read it because I, I, I um, clipped it from your blog. You said, I come from a culture of silence where speaking about certain issues is almost a taboo. One of the most kept secrets is when a woman loses a child. No one talks about it. And it's almost like it never happened. Yeah. And that is so true with yeah. infant loss in our culture. Yeah. Because what I find now is, especially with female issues, even things like fibroids, endometriosis, it's then a, so someone suddenly starts talking about it. And then everybody comes around and says, yes, I have fibroids too. I have endometriosis too. I lost the baby too. What do you think we can start to do? I mean, you've started this work with the healing cradle, but in a wider space, what do you think we can start to do to start to deconstruct this culture of silence? Um, I think we need a lot of safe places. I think we need a lot of education as well. So when you're even talking about like fibroids and all of that, I have a, sorry, I have a pregnancy, a support group for pregnant women um, called Pregnant and Free. And we talk about everything. And I really, I think so for me, it's levels of safe places, right? Um, so this one is, if you're pregnant, I know preg how pregnancy can be. So come here, let's this is the place where nobody needs to know your name just talk say whatever is on your mind your struggles and then that's where you hear people talking about even in the in the metro uh, i always struggle with it and then you know um um, um fibroids all of that it comes up and i think the thing is we need to create more safe spaces for people but more importantly we need to educate the the everyone everyone needs to be educated on different levels about these things about how not to dismiss people about how to act, listen when they're talking about how to support so for healing creative for example one of the things we aim to do is just to say these are things you should not say when somebody's telling you about their loss or about their miscarriage or about their IVF struggle don't say these things these are some of the things you can say this is these are some of the things you can do never dismiss them so we just it's, it's constant conversation I think you know we we don't like so my mom for example every time I talk about even my daughter I still I still talk about her my daughter I carry that to food for food for you know 40 weeks and so I still talk about her and every time I'm like don't talk about it again. She wasn't yours. Don't talk about it. You know, she say in your you say like as a Nigerian to that's not your child. Don't worry, don't talk about it. Let her go. Why are you talking about things that are so painful? So uncomfortable. They hate it. Not because they, they are dismissing it, I realize is that they don't know how to process it. And so it's instead of having to process it, let's just pretend it doesn't exist. Instead of having to deal with my emotions concerning that, let me just pretend it doesn't exist. As a grandmother, it probably really hurt my mom as well that this happened to me. But because she doesn't even want to acknowledge her own pain, but the only thing she can do for me in her mind is to encourage me as well to push it aside. Because that way we're not acknowledging the pain, Abby. If you don't acknowledge it, it doesn't hurt, which is a lie. We know that. So I think for me, it's just encouraging people about the necessary... Um, 
the necessary need to allow people to talk about what they're going through, allow people to dictate how they want to deal with it. But most importantly, creating a safe place for people. Offering, I always say this, I feel like the work we do at Healing Creative, where I'm trying to get into is on a national level, where even in the media, we're talking about it, even like with the government, can government support, can they provide like um, discounts to counselors to provide free counseling? Are there like maybe in every local government, a place that when a woman or a family goes through this, they can go to, are there safe havens? Are there people they can talk to? Is that readily available? Doctors in the hospitals should be able to, you know, counsel them to some extent, instead of saying, what a lot of women complain about that here, another one will come. Is the, This is a Nigerian saying, but they'll say, um, is the water that poured, the basket is not broken. So in other words, your womb is still okay, even though you lost the baby, so don't worry about it. Like, so that's, so we need, there just needs to be more education and it has to be more deliberate. It has to be more, you know, almost aggressive in the way we do it. Like no, no holds barred, you know, just go at it. Like just be loud. I honestly think that's it. So yeah, safe places, more education, more advocacy. Um, and just letting everybody know that it's okay. We talk about it. We'll heal. We'll move on. And, um, you know, the... The issue with um, not talking about it also comes in terms of when a woman first gets pregnant. We don't talk about it. We don't want to tell anybody. I mean, you know, preg pregnancies announce themselves. We don't have to announce pregnancies is sort of our cultural, our cultural thing of saying. So when the pregnancy decides to announce itself, then everybody will see that you're pregnant. You can't hide it. What do you say to that? Because I think that is also part of this thing of um silence there's this um yoruba proverb that they say that see is better amount for what boni and for that and for people who don't understand yoruba that basically means that when something good is happening to you you cover it up and you hide it but yeah but it's kind of is is that really what we should be doing um because we do that for both good things and bad things and this we're still in a pickle Oh gosh, this is one of those. I feel like we've just been. <laughs> this is about to be different. Can I be honest? It's not just even culture; it's also religious. It's the the bottom line of why we do this is fear. So, for example, when you know my daughter passed, I I was embarrassed because I thought the people that knew I was pregnant would know. And then when I got pregnant again, I didn't tell people because in case the same thing happens right we think about all these um all these evil people that will try to steal from us so every time you have a miscarriage it's always who do which one of my uh, village people did something that made the baby die or so there's a lot of fear which is ironic because nigeria is one of the most religious places but it's so entrenched in fear so don't say it's in case anything happens so that way people did not know if anything happens they don't know you're you've saved face so not only is it fear there's also the thing of just reputation so i'm embarrassed honestly and it happens like the women that experience you know or even men families there's an you feel embarrassed there's a shame to it like i can't believe this happened to me so now everybody's going to be talking about me everybody's going to know that this thing happened to me and i'm embarrassed about it so there's that your reputation don't let them know that you're the girl that your daughter died how would people don't let them know so we just kind of it's safer to keep it quiet then when the baby comes ah now the baby is here i feel safe like i'll tell all of you we can all celebrate so and 
I, I always tell people that don't get upset if your friend doesn't tell you. It's honestly nothing against you. You're not a witch. It's just that your everybody processes differently. You don't know what her mom has told her or what she has seen that makes her feel like, ah, let me just hide it. It also takes a lot of pressure away from, 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 from a family. If they don't tell you, they're not feeling pressurized to in any way. You know, they don't feel like, ah, I need to be, they just, it just takes pressure away. Just, I'm carrying my pregnancy. When the baby comes, I'll tell you. And it's okay. Everybody has the right to do it the way they want to. But honestly, a big part of it is fear that things will go wrong. And you just don't want to be embarrassed or feel ashamed when it does. If they don't know, then they can't talk. And so we're good. If it happens, but hopefully the plan is that when the baby shower comes, everybody would see. Uh, I, I like that you say that because even now a support group, that was one of the conversations we have a lot with pregnant with people that are pregnant. A lot of them are in our group. We don't know their names. We don't know anything. And a lot of them tell you, oh, my friends don't know. My parents don't know. My family don't know. Especially if they've dealt with miscarriages or whatever. Ah, I don't want anybody to know. When the baby comes, then I'll tell you. So yeah, there's a, there's a big thing about fear. It's really fear. Let's be honest. Because why else? If you know that everything is going to be fine, you don't need to hide it. Mm-hmm. You know, you will be loud. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. And, you know, just talking about miscarriage as well, and, you know, also in terms of the embarrassment associated with it, miscarriage is actually very common. So one in four. So it, it is so extremely common and it's part of biology um in terms of this in terms of this in terms of the science so the body will feel that actually no this baby might not survive in the world and so does and so sometimes miscarriages are natural abortions so the the body says no you know this baby is not going to be able to survive and so it naturally evacuates itself so much so that women have missed miscarriages without even realizing and they think they've had an early period way before they even missed the period and way before they even had a pregnancy test, how do we then start getting women to a point where they not necessarily normalize it because it's still a significant loss, but also to start understanding that they've not done anything wrong because women, you know, we feel that I, I should be able to carry my baby to term. And so if I don't, then what is wrong with me? that hasn't allowed me to do this thing for somebody that I love so much. So how do we then start getting women to understand that it's not, it's not a problem with you. And like you were saying that some doctors would say that the basket, the basket is fine and the womb is fine, but it's the water that spilled. But how do we start explaining it to women in a way that they can receive it, not just in a pragmatic, you know, because the pragmatic way is not necessarily the best way, but in a more emotionally accessible way. Honestly, it's never going to be emotionally accessible. It's yeah. not going to be open. No matter how much I understand the science, so long as the science works with somebody else, why doesn't it work for me? Right? So I can break it down and say, yeah, um, this is the body protecting you. But I, I understand that. But why does, the body even, why does this even have to happen? After all, my other friend got pregnant. Why didn't she need the protection? You know? Um, so there's, it's almost impossible to make us normalize it in that way um because what actually if you've been trying for a while and then you finally get pregnant the moment you see that pregnancy test you're not thinking oh which is also the reason why we would hide it because what if it ends in a miscarriage but you're not thinking oh this could be a miscarriage so let me just keep quiet 
you're thinking I'm pregnant with a baby. I don't care how many weeks. So it's like, because if I go to the hospital from like six weeks off, they can see maybe something. That's a baby. So when they put a heartbeat, it's a baby. So no matter how much we explain the science behind miscarriages, it still really sucks. It still really hurts. No matter how much you say it's not your fault, this is how... Well, I understand that, but so long as it does not happen to every single human being, it's never going to be okay. So, but the other way to now cushion the pain a little bit, which sucks, and I, I hate that this is it, is that, is to say, oh, but it's happened to other people. It's happened to many other people. You're not the only one. And I, so I say when people use me as a poster child, like every time a friend, oh, talk to Tito, it happened to Tito. And I'm like, I don't want, I wish you could come and talk to Tito about, oh, a healthy baby. I don't want to be your cushion for, oh, you had a miscarriage because it sucks. I don't want that to be what we're, the club that you are part of. But that's the only other way that maybe it makes people feel a bit better that it happened to somebody else. And that other person, survived it went on to have beautiful healthy babies and they're thriving in fact they survived with someone that from the first pregnancy where i would like nobody knew i was pregnant the second one maybe when the baby was this the third one my my, my last baby see i was on instagram all the time showing off my pregnancy belly all of that so i literally grew so i'm like a poster girl for this is what can happen but at the same time i wish i never i wish they, 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 that wasn't the reason why people were connected with me you know i wish that there was just it was better. I wish it was a happier story. But unfortunately, it happened. And unfortunately, and I guess fortunately, I'm able to be the encouragement. Sorry, my the encouragement that people need. So, yeah, that's the only way. Keep talking. Mm, yes, that's the thing. And, you know, it's so interesting that you just said keep talking. Because my next question is actually about men. And... Um, about men? <laughs> I, this is what I want, I want to hear. Okay. Um, and... It's about conversation and um, communication. And, you know, we know that sometimes, not all men, but sometimes men and maybe also in our cultural setting and background are more likely to stonewall when they're upset. So they don't want to talk when they're upset. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, a miscarriage, an infant loss will affect them too because that is also their child, especially if they've been involved in the pregnancy, following yeah. their partner to appointments and things. How would you encourage men who are partnered with women to support their partner after a loss because sometimes it's so difficult to know what to say um and especially if maybe they've gone online they've done the research and they know that oh you know it's not it's not her it, it, it is the science and maybe sometimes they might want to come with just the facts so i've done this reading and you know you're going to be okay and but that's not what she wants to hear at that point what advice would you give to to men who are partnered with women on how to support their partners through through that process um so this thing about men is is a tricky one and i've, I've struggled with it because i think in even for me when i when i had the baby loss and then the miscarriage everybody was always just like how is she how is she and she nobody was asking my husband how are you right and i always felt like it was unfair on him because now he has to just be he has to suck it up for me he can't even have feelings. He can't even be emotional. Um, so even the last um, Healing Cradle event, we did this wave of light thing, which is part of Baby Loss Awareness Week. We're on the last day of Baby Loss Awareness. All around the world, there's a wave of light just acknowledging, you know, babies that are in heaven and all of that. So we did that. And I remember having a friend of mine and his wife come and talk. Let's have a conversation with a guy. 
how was it for you so i think even before we start talking about can the man support the the wife can we talk about how does a man get support because it can only support so much if he also feels supported right if somebody is there encouraging say oh so this is how let's talk about how you feel because nobody else is asking then after we talked about you feel okay so now how do you want to have this conversation with your wife right and then that's where you can answer saying but you know your wife she, she doesn't know the facts she doesn't know the science so let's not even bring the science into it for now let's talk about the emotions ask her how she's feeling and the other thing is that a lot of women were always upset with their husbands for not talking about it they would always say why is he acting like everything is okay even went out with his friends to play golf and me i'm here crying but meanwhile as you said they just all process pain and trauma differently so it's it's the the key thing is to understand that even when we're saying the man should support his wife it's not necessarily support your wife is is that you guys support each other because the child is both of you's child and so when you're thinking about supporting each other in that way then you think about let's have conversations about how we really feel about how much this hurts about how much i, I was also looking forward to being a dad and then when your wife says that oh okay so this thing you also feel it it kind of makes you feel like okay i'm knowing this by myself and so even because the other angle is like if you don't see that when if it's oh man come and support your wife it's almost like oh i'm in this alone because it's like i'm the only one that lost the child because you, you are telling me the science you that you're telling me the science was you know your child also why are you okay with the science and i'm not right so it's it's the it's the encouragement of be as open and vulnerable with each other as possible so that your wife knows that it hurts you just as much and then when we're being vulnerable and being open with each other we can also then try to heal together so it's it's it's, it's understanding it as a as a as a team thing not as a husband supporting wife sometimes it can be husband needs to support wife sometimes maybe wife needs to support husband you know so it's it's that's, that's how we see it yeah. that's how we see it so once again the talking yes it doesn't make you weak it doesn't make you in fact my want to just say that you're crying with me let both of us cry here together then i can be like okay i see that you feel the same pain and then maybe down the line we can have conversations about the science of it about let's try again about let the doctor tell us in fact remember don't tell your wife the science let the doctor be don't let the doctor be the bad guy that says the science you mm. never actually the science until she's ready <laughs> you know but honestly <laughs> I like that. I like that approach, you know. Yeah, you know, and um, it's so funny that you said um, that sit down here and cry with me because I was having this exact conversation where someone was saying, oh, you know, that um, a woman who has had a miscarriage doesn't want you to be weak at the same time. And I was like, well, no, actually, I, I want you to cry when I'm crying as well, because then it actually validates that, okay, we are in this together. And it's, it wasn't, it wasn't my child that I lost because sometimes there's this cultural thing of the children are for the women and, you know, and so it's like, but no, but if, if we are in this together, then you, yes, you cry and let the doctor be the bad person. That's the, that's the person that studied science anyway. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. And you know, and they've not done a Google search to find the information. They've studied yeah, books. Exactly. So let them, let them tell us, you know, let them tell us the science mm -hmm. um but my next question is also it's a it's a rather sensitive topic and you know there are people on different sides of the aisle and it is dealing with emotions after child loss to abortion now 
you know, there, there are some groups of people who feel that they don't have any emotional attachment to the child after an abortion. And that, you know, that, that point of view, that is respected. But then there's also the group of people who do later on feel an emotional connection and sometimes a more overwhelming sense of embarrassment and responsibility after infant loss to abortion. How, how can you support people in that situation and, and get them also to that place of healing? Okay, so this is interesting because I think for me, this is weird how I seem to have something to say about everything. But um, so for me, when I was at uni, I had two abortions, right? Young girl, I was meant to have a baby, you know, I, Christian girl. So you're like, no, this is wrong. But I just, I just wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, you know, I made the decision. How I, how it happened twice. Don't, anyway. But, you know, for me, that guilt never left me, personally. Mm-hmm. It never did. So when I, when the first baby, when I even got pregnant the first time, I was just thankful because I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I can get pregnant. I, I was just thinking, oh, maybe my past would catch up with me in that way. Mm-hmm. But when the baby died, I was like, mm, well, you purposely given up a child before. So you dare not feel guilty. Like, if you, if you thought you could do this, why are you now crying over a baby? You know, for me, it was, you, you don't get the right to. Well, now you think it's convenient for you, so you cry. Oh, but before, when it was, you, you didn't see the child as a blessing then. Um, and when I had a miscarriage again, it was the same thing. I'm like, oh, well, I had two abortions, right? So, of course, I'll have two losses. Okay, now we're even. And, you know, there's a religious aspect of it for a Nigerian um, who is very, we're all spiritual. Even if we are not Christian, there's still a fear of God in that mix somewhere. And so it was for me, oh, God has collected his tool back from me now. Okay, so now we're even. And it took a while for me to understand that, firstly, that's not how God works. Is love is too much. That was my choice. And yes, God loves life, but he wasn't punishing me. I had to, I had a lot of work to do with that. I think I've shared that somewhere on YouTube and even in my book. But in ter- but there's also the other aspect. So that was the choice. But I've also, um, this support group I'm in with all these other women, I've had women who maybe, for example, they did a... Uh, genetics test is that is that what is when you check your baby's uh, your baby's sickle cell or whatever so a lady a couple of ladies i know they did that found out their babies were going to be ss and they chose to terminate the pregnancy a bit late but they did one of them even had to deliver the child and everything it was really traumatic for her so even for her she still struggles with am i allowed to mourn this child because i made the choice not to keep the child i always say sorry i i, I always say that you you did what you believed was the best thing you could do at the time you did it. So if, for example, even not talking about those that medically had a reason, even for women that maybe I, I'll talk to women, like, oh, you know, at that point I was broke. I, we didn't think we could have another child. So even then, you did what you believed was the best option for you then. You were not doing it because, oh, I'm this evil, whatever, whatever. Not like I'm an evil, but anyway, the point is, you did. You made the best choice at the time, based on what you could see around you, based on what you know the science says, based on what your finances says. For me, based on the fact that I was a young girl and I was not ready, and I just thought I'm not ready to be anybody's mother. So I, we all make the best decisions in our minds at that time, and sometimes that's the only way you can look at it. I made the best decision at the time because, for me, based on what I saw, that was my best option. And then I'll now take it into the Christian over spiritualism part where you're like, okay, 
why do you feel guilty? And a lot of them go back and say, oh, you know, it was a child. God doesn't like it. Okay, no problem. So you feel guilty because you think God doesn't like it. But you did it even when you knew God would not like it, right? So now let's talk about this God. You see, we make choices. But God is not out there thinking, oh, I'm going to punish you. If anything, like, okay, she made the choice. I'm still God. I still love you. I'm not holding it against you. So you now have to be the one to forgive yourself because you now realize that this feeling you're feeling is not that God is holding it against you. You are the one that is struggling to forgive yourself. And then that's where we now start going into how can we get you to forgive yourself if you're feeling bad about it? Because as you said, not everybody feels bad. But for those that feel bad, the issue is forgiving yourself. Understanding that you know what, when you made that decision, you really thought you had no other choice. And so you made a decision based on that. And that doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a bad mother. It doesn't make you a bad. It doesn't like you made a decision on your decision, but also understand that it doesn't change the core of who you are. And sometimes we feel, oh, let's feel bad because it makes us feel better. At least if I feel bad, it's not like I feel like I'm free. But also, okay, how long I can feel bad for? How long I can let that that guilt continue to chip away at your joy, your hope. Every every time you want to do something good, you're like, ah, but remember you did that bad thing. Remember you did that bad thing. And so you're holding that against yourself for so long. So I always say that you made the decision you believed was the best decision for you at the time. And even because I remember when this lady was going through the, oh, should I, should I keep the baby or not? You know, I don't want a sickle cell baby. A lady that was pregnant in a group who is actually sickle cell. So I don't know how we say, but who has SS? who is SS, came and chatted with me and said, but I'm SS and I'm here and I'm fine. I'm even about to have a baby. I wish you would just believe that that can happen for her. And then I said to her, but that's her choice. She's not you. So you can't even expect that because you ended up okay, despite maybe your parents really struggled and everything. You don't know what she has seen that has made her decide, I would never want this. And so she made a decision, the best decision for her. And then next question is, how do you then now accept your decision, own your decision, and then forgive yourself? And instead of thinking, oh, I can't live a full life because I did this. I don't deserve another child. I don't deserve this. I don't. Do it's honestly just about self-forgiveness, knowing that you made the decision because you really thought you had no other choice. And then for those that don't feel bad, that's also okay. Mm, yeah. And I, re you know, I really appreciate what you said about, you know, because in the in a lot of spiritual contexts, we have this thing of like self-flagellation that the more yeah. the more pain I feel, then the more pure I am before a deity. Yeah. And it's actually realizing that the work that you really need to do is internal and it's you know it's really between you and your soul and getting to a yeah. point where you're not holding things against yourself and expecting some sort of karma to yeah. happen to you. Because we all we all do things that some, some of us do bad things that we don't feel guilty about. Some of yep. us do good things that other people think are bad, you know, exactly. and, you know, so, so we all make, we all make decisions um, for ourselves and it's just coming to terms with our choices and, and yep. moving forward and moving forward as well. Now, in our culture, like, though, just let me put that disclaimer. I'm not saying I'm definitely pro-abortion mm -hmm. because I mean, I think for me, when I, I look at my kids now and I'm, sometimes I'm like, Oh God, so those other abortions could have been these children. Mm. And you know, that sometimes like stinks. So I'm, I, I, it's made me have a clearer stance of where I, on how I feel about abortion. Yeah. 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 Cause when I see my kids, I see them as, you know, so I just felt like I should put that disclaimer because next thing they'll say, Oh, Tito advocates. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, so no, that's that's fine. Um, so yes, yeah, so I was asking about now when we when we start talking about infant loss and we talk about miscarriage, we talk about abortion, especially when a woman is public about it in our society and WhatsApp or you know the anti groups that are sending all sorts of messages all around, um, everything being shared on social media it seems to propagate the nature of stigma in our society. And what would you then say to people about how to talk to women? Because it's normally the women that receive most of the vitriol, really, about talking to women about fertility um, concerns, about sub-fertility, about infant loss. And how would you start teaching maybe churches as well and mosques and all our religious groups about how to sensitively deal with the issues because we we really you know calling people to the altars to pray for them when they are going through a a a, a, a difficult time in their life i it's still for me personally it leaves a bad taste in my mouth just because it's just so public and it's just so and you know a lot of times the pastor already knows who needs prayer. So you can do it in your office. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be in front of the thousand people in church and then the hundred thousand that are going to see it on YouTube when you stream it later. So what do you say to how we deal with these things as a society and as a culture? So I was going to say, mind your business, but I feel like that's not, that's not, yeah, that's not political curries. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> Let me try again. A better, a better way to say the same thing. Um, you know, it's one thing I've learned, nothing is black and white. So, you know, for everybody that thinks, so I don't like being called to the front of the altar or whatever. There are hundreds of women waiting for that call to that altar. That's the truth. That's the truth. If the pastor is not making the prayer point, they're looking like, ah, can't you see that I'm, I'm, I'm struggling? Why is he not praying about this thing? That's number one. So there's no black or white. But I think sometimes you should read a room. If you've done altar call last week, so you don't need to do it again for another how many months. If maybe they still, then let them come and meet you. If they, if they, if they, um, they want to talk about it, they'll come and meet you. They'll ask you for your advice. They'll ask you for your opinion. They'll ask you for your prayers. They'll ask you for your support. But so long as they're not coming to meet you, so long as they're not your family members, even if they're your family members, so long as you're not their mother, in fact, even if it's your child, just respect people's privacies and their choices. That thing that you're worried about is not, look, at, it cannot worry you more than it worries them. And some people are not even worried. Yes, I don't have a child. I've been married for a year. I'm not worried. I'll have yes, a child. Exactly. So why are you worried for me? Exactly. <laughs> oh, can you just calm down? If I need you, I will come I will to find you. you. Yes. I'll find you and say, Auntie, please, how did you do? I heard that you do. But at the same time, there are also subtle ways to do it. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. people, like for me, I kind of wish my mom, like I realized my mom had like a baby loss and a miscarriage. And I kind of wish that I had known more about that. Mm -hmm. But I wish I had been open enough. So it's like, why don't we just have conversations, more open conversations instead of it being a, come, you know, this miscarriage is not, it's not normal eye. Let's, sorry, I have to go really Nigeria into this. You know, let's let's pray about it. How about just oh, when I was going through this, it was really difficult for me. This is how I found support. Yeah. How about just being open about your own story, not making your own story my story. Yeah. If there's something to learn from your story, I would learn it. But please, step back. Step back. Don't don't do that. Respect my my choices, my privacy, my struggle. Yeah. And if I need you, I'll come to you. 
so I wish we could just but you see this thing we don't know how to mind our business mm. and at the same time some people say they want you to mind your business and some people are upset that you mind your business too much uh, yeah it happens some people are like oh why don't you you know you've not checked on me you know that I've not had a baby in a while don't you think I would why are you pretending you don't know why are you pretending you don't see why are you pretending it's not happening so that's why sometimes you just read a room you would know but don't don't assume don't never make any assumptions wow this has been really amazing thank you so much and as we are rounding up um a championship point for our listeners so either a couple that is going through infant loss or a woman that has gone through infant loss some words for encouragement it's never your fault it's never your fault you're i hate to say it but you're not alone other people have been through it and you would survive it you'll survive it you would have a positive story at the end whether you know no let me say that again not that not you'll survive it and it's a day at a time's journey it's take it a day at a time don't don't think you have to rush through your emotions or your pain find someone to talk to you can pay a counselor to talk to if you if not find a friend that you know would listen but it's never your fault um talk to someone journal if you're feeling like you're struggling with your emotions and then just take it a day at a time that's that's the message that is fantastic thank you so much where can our listeners find you online okay so my instagram which seems to be the most popular social media page now is tito idakula um facebook is tito idakula i think I think I'm, I'm Tito Idakula everywhere on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, social, um, LinkedIn. I'll probably always be, I think I try to be as simple as possible. Tito Idakula, um, you can email me at um, mylighthousetv at gmail.com. And then what else? Yeah. And the I, Instagram I for um, Healing Cradle. At the Healing Cradle. Um, right. Yeah. And then buy my book, Royalty. Yeah. Royalty. Right. So it's on Amazon and all other online platforms fantastic thank you so much for joining us today it has been absolutely amazing thank you for having me thank you for joining us on today's episode i hope you have enjoyed it as much as we have make sure you leave us a rating or two on itunes and share the episode with a friend or two who have not heard about us before and please send us all your questions suggestions and thoughts at hello at taboodoctor.com we definitely want to hear from you subscribe to our newsletter as well and follow us on social media until next time stay safe and keep slicing health fact away from health fiction